0: It's actually the first time i'm having someone else with me so that's super awesome and i'm going to introduce uh miss g aka sarah Girmia. can I say both your names
1: yeah that's fine
0: <laughs> sarah do you want to introduce a little bit about what you do who you are where you're from
1: okay yeah um so i am a middle school english teacher um, I'm also from Africa, I'm from Uganda, East Side represent, and I've been living in this small city of Kalamazoo for over 10 years. And so, that's what I do.
0: Sarah is also heavily involved in, would you call it like volunteer work or?
1: Yes, I would say like a form of volunteer work, a form of activism in okay. the community with an organization called the Black Action Movement where we work to provide you know different resources for our kalamazoo community
0: so um as you can tell she's a busy woman and one of the things i've noticed about sarah is that you're like super involved in different communities um which i really admire because i think i'm the opposite and now i'm like learning to unlearn that because i was kind of like a lone wolf and feeling like you can't trust people so you kind of like just have to survive on your own which hasn't worked for me because you can't do that so um i think that's a perfect segue into today's topic which is psychological safety i'm going to give you a bit of background like how that whole topic came up um so i think i i don't know how it is for you but i'm like conflict averse so I generally avoid conflict and before in the past, like if I did have conflict, it just meant, um, oh, cool, relationship's over, <laughs> like, which is you know? <laughs> like not healthy, obviously, but sustainable. <laughs> and so I was taking this class, um, I don't know if you know that Harvard was doing like free online classes. During the yeah. pandemic, yes. Yeah. I don't know if they're still doing that, um, but there was one about conflict and cultural differences and all that stuff and i think something that really stuck out to me is he was like describing the difference between trust and psychological safety so trust he says um i mean there are probably like so many different definitions of this but trust is essentially um your ability to give other people the benefit of the doubt and then psychological safety according to his definition is your ability to believe that other people will give you the benefit of the doubt. Ah, okay. Yeah. So, um, you can trust people, but if you don't have psychological safety, you won't necessarily feel safe enough to be your whole self. And so that's something I was curious about. And I was kind of like giving you a background of, I don't know, I actually used to watch a lot of TV growing up, um, but then in the last two years, I've become obsessed with listening to, like, interviews, or, like... I know people bash social media a lot, especially because everyone's sharing, like, their best side or whatever, but I love just, like, YouTube channels, and seeing how people think, even if that's, like, the best version of themselves, like, I still like to understand... Because I think, like, everything we do is based on a thought pattern, Mm -hmm. you know? Um, And... I think learning a lot about especially like it's easier to just like use celebrities as an example because their lives usually are on display for everyone right but I was thinking about like some successful people and how like each of them have an important relationship in their lives so an example is I told you like Kevin Hart like loved loved his mom I think he's I don't know when his mom passed passed away um, but he had a strong relationship with her even though she was like tough and no-nonsense she's also like a source of like love and support for him um, same thing for like Travanoa for Whitney Houston um, for even Kanye West I think he was he really loved his mom I don't know if this is just a coincidence but it's something I've noticed and it doesn't always have to be a parent you know sometimes it can be like a best friend it can be a teacher um hey <laughs> yeah uh, I don't know so I'm just gonna like highlight like some of the things I think are powerful about psychological safety. Um, so one of them is like you feel safe enough to speak your mind. And I think I don't know if this is just rooted in our innate instinct to survive, but so we need to belong to a group, right? Mm -hmm. And so if you know at the end of the day, hey, I can disagree with all these people, but I still have this space I can call quote unquote home. Mm -hmm. I think that gives us that confidence to speak our minds. But when you don't have a safe space, I think that's when it's kind of like easier for you to just like pretend around people, hold back your thoughts, or just adopt beliefs that aren't for you. And then, yeah, it gives us like also freedom to disagree. I think I'm like unlearning being a people pleaser. And I think a lot of that was, for me, attached to, like, feelings of safety, Mm -hmm. of, well, I have no one, especially, like, when you're entering a new space, and it's, like, you have literally no one else there. Sometimes it can feel like it's easier for me to just, like, agree with everything, you know? Um, And then, lastly, I would say it gives us, like, safety to take risks, because I know there are some communities where it's, like, if you do that, you're out. Like, you're not even one of us, you know? So I think when you're in a space like that, it's easier to just go according to um, what your culture or whatever system is, um, decides is the norm or acceptable. So I was curious for you, like, what are your thoughts on psychological safety and what are your beliefs about safe spaces? Do you have those? And yeah, lots of questions, but yeah.
1: Well, I think it's uh, really interesting, you know, talking about the differences between trust and the psychological safety, Mm -hmm. because I feel like a lot of the time, me included, we keep forgetting that relationship is a two-way street. And so in it being a two-way street, you know, you trust people and then they trust you. But we rarely think about that because I know that I may not be technically a people pleaser, but I am someone who... I avoid people talking about me as much as I can. You know, so like if I'm in a situation with people, I'm almost like, How are you? How's you how are things going with you? What's going on there? You know, and yeah. and putting re maybe I think it'd be deflecting or yes, deflecting. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. putting it on other people so that they can tell me about them. Cause I think subconsciously I don't have that. I don't feel, you know, that sa- that safety there. Okay. Um, and so, like you said, it pushes you, you know, makes you feel like you can't trust people, you can't talk to them, and then you, you you're kind of like ostracized and put to the side. Mm. Um. As far as like safe space, I think you're right that it's important to have an like either one person, a few people, mm. um, who you can actually, who you who you can know that they will they will give you that benefit of the doubt yeah. and i think that's why a lot of people end up going to therapy because then you think about it you're like this person's getting paid to be here like yeah. i'm paying you yeah you know like so yeah. you have to at yeah. some in, in some aspect give me the benefit of the doubt whereas mm-hmm. in friendships and relationships with other people outside of that it's not necessarily a given because it's very possible that these people won't regardless of whether you do it um, it's not like just because you've done it, then they're going to do it as well.
0: Mm-hmm. I don't know. Dang, I'm so glad you brought up therapy because <laughs> I think sometimes that's the only safe space some people have. Right. But that that's really powerful. Um, okay, I'm kind of curious. Like I know we kind of like touched a bit on conflict or disagreeing with people, and especially today with. I don't know something that's really been amusing me is like cancel culture Mm. and I I know like Trevor Noah once like joked about it also just like put this out there because Trevor Noah has his own political beliefs I am not in any way shape or fashion like saying I resonated everything he says but I think something that really stuck out to me was like um he's like I think Twitter needs to have like there needs to be like a jail sentence like How long are you canceled for? You know, Mm -hmm. who's the one deciding who you're canceled by? Right. I'm just making a joke about it. But I think today we're in a space where I think it's in a way cool, like where spaces are so curated. And I think I'm seeing a lot of like excellence, especially like in art spaces, which I love. But at the same time, I think sometimes people are unwilling to bear with someone who brings down the vibe Hmm. if that's how I can put it so it's like this person is acting out um yeah you're not like you're kind of like ruining the atmosphere so it's like people I feel like sometimes people don't have enough grace for people when maybe they're growing in certain aspects of their lives so like for you how do you go about conflict like do you ever cancel people or like yeah what's your approach to that
1: (laughs) i do like i'm not even gonna lie like i do i do cancel people um because i i subconsciously give people like a what's it called multiple tries okay okay. i guess like when it comes to like maybe we just don't agree or maybe we're just having too much conflict all that awesomeness, you know. Um, I and then I get to a point where I'm like, okay, x'd out. Especially okay. when people disrespect me, like that's okay. one where it's like, yeah, there's no coming back from there. And for me, when it comes to conflict, I also have to, um, I guess, evaluate my relationship with that person. Like, is you is your presence in my life, like. Really helping me? Are you really making me a better person? Mm-hmm. Um, or are you bringing me down? Or are you reverting me back to old habits of, you know, because I used to be very, like a very subconsciously angry person. And so, like, are you taking me back to that space? Because if you are, and we're already having issues, there's really no point to continue right now. Maybe we're both not at a space where we can actually maintain a good relationship with each other. So, peace out. Out of, out of here. Bye.
0: <laughs> Adios. I think that's a really good point. Like being able to identify when it's when that person is actually making you a worse person. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Especially, I think that's what would I hate I You know how terms are overused, like the word toxic. But that is what it is. <laughs> like some words really are overused, like toxic or vulnerability or like creatives. <laughs> I'm just like man. <laughs> we must have a bigger vocabulary than that um but yeah I think they would be called like toxic people like maybe I think you know kind of how you're talking about you you were in a space where you were angry Mm -hmm. but you've grown out of that Mm -hmm. and I think even sometimes my personal belief is everything we do is a solution to something Mm -hmm. so um for instance like anger or withdrawing from people at some point in your life for whatever reason i think we have taught ourselves that is a way of escaping at a situation or something that we didn't like right you know and i think for me that was i've actually i'm the opposite because i've never felt comfortable around anger Mm -hmm. so i was more inclined to like sadness or withdrawing but i think i'd also like as a kid i used to sulk a lot but like I, talking has never been a solution for me mm. but now growing up I'm realizing a lot of my relationships have been affected because of me not talking mm-hmm. like not saying something bothered me it's so now it got to a point where as you know kind of like how you're saying um not like you keeping score but like there's a not a grace spirit necessarily but there's the straw that broke the camel's back. You know? Right, yes. <laughs> but um, sometimes the other person doesn't know that you're, you've gotten there. Yes. And but by, by that time, it's too late. And now I'm in a space where I'm like, ah. Oh. Like, looking back on my relationships, I'm like, ah. Oh.
1: <laughs> <Is> it, <something? laughs> it is bad because then, like, that person is like, dang, like, you know, to them, it's that specific incident that, yeah, yeah. you know, ended the relationship, which isn't fair to them. But then in yeah. the moment, you're just kind of like, no, but it makes sense to me because yeah. I've given you these many tries yeah. or these many chances. Yeah. And interestingly enough, like I was listening to a podcast today. Mm-hmm. um And they were talking about, like, where does your love come from? Like, what is your love rooted into, like, your relationships with people? And one of the uh, guys, he's a therapist, and he was talking about how sometimes our expectations are premediated resentment. So it's like you have these expectations for somebody, and when they don't, you're already mentally telling yourself that if you don't reach these expectations, I'm going to have X, Y, and Z with you. You know what I mean? Yeah. And for the first time I was like, wow, I had never thought about expectations as a, you know, a precursor to resentment for somebody. It's always seen as you have to have these expectations for people because, you know, like you just need to know cuz oftentimes expectations is talked about with boundaries. And so you're telling yourself I have these expectations so I can withhold this type of boundary. Uh... But then you notice, when it comes to those relationships with conflict, yeah. it's because so-and-so has not met these expectations right. that you had for them.
0: Right. So, so let me ask you. Um, I think that's a good example. So now my question is, according to that podcast and according to your reflections on it, is a solution then to go in without expectations? No, not necessarily. I think it goes back to when
1: you talked about grace, okay. too. Because um the the whole the podcast also referred to another podcast that I listened to which was about mm-hmm. emotional you know sobriety and Ooh. emotional you know stability okay. and being you know having a high emotional intelligence and maturity and sometimes what happens in our relationships with people often who we have conflict is it's because they May not be at that same emotional level that you are at. Okay. So sometimes maybe you know putting up boundaries or having expectations is you, they will refl- they will see that as oh you are abandoning me or you're casting me aside or you're judging me or you're this and that. And um, it's sometimes it's just not that. It's not about that other person, but it's about you recognizing what works for you yeah. and also making sure that you know you're taking care of yourself. Cuz if we go into I don't know if you talk <laughs> about the Bible. But when the Bible talks about loving, you know, your neighbor, so in this your other relationship with this person, you are meant to love your neighbor as you love yourself. So putting up boundaries and being able to understand what works for you and what doesn't, especially when it comes in conflict, you have to put yourself first. But a lot of the time when people tell you, no, you have to put the other person first. You have to But if you don't know how to deal think- with in yourself, how are you going to be able to deal with another person? How is that con? Cuz I think sometimes too when it comes to conflict, we respond in a way sometimes how we would respond to ourselves and now if you don't respond to yourself in a loving way you're going to respond to other people in in, in not a loving way either i hope that wasn't a double negative
0: <laughs> no that was like some straight-up wisdom wait so you're saying if for let's say sheila
1: mm-hmm.
0: sheila's an example of some person who may or may not exist oh sheila so. <laughs> Sheila grew up in a space where shame is used as punishment. Mm-hmm. So you're saying if that's how she responds to herself, that's how she's going to quote-unquote love her neighbor, is when her neighbor makes a mistake, she's going to use shame as a way of punishing them.
1: Yes. And there's a chance that Sheila might not even recognize that that's what she's doing, yeah. because she may be trying to overcompensate for a different thing, but maybe outwardly she's not putting shame or reacting with shame to somebody but inwardly they are that's something i had to learn for myself you know like i know that i'm someone who would be like outwardly no i'm not judging you or no i'm not seeing you this way but inwardly i had to catch myself and be like no but you're you are subconsciously treating that person the same way you're treating yourself and that's a bitter pill to,
0: (laughs) to swallow that's hard and and so is that do you for you was that process just like number one awareness and being conscious of you having those thoughts and then changing them yeah is like, that enough to change your response to them
1: um i think i i had to do more individual like i guess I wouldn't say soul searching because that's so again just Man, phrases just, we're just thrown out. <laughs> things. Like human beings, we just ruin things. It'd be perfect. <laughs> It'd be perfect. But yeah, soul searching. I had to do yeah. some soul yeah. searching for myself yeah. and then um put in place the right resources yeah. to help me overcome and, you know, unlearn that negative behavior yeah. um of, you know, having so low self esteem and pushing that on other people rather yeah. than you know you know it takes it i think awareness is important definitely because when you're aware then you can catch it right but then sometimes you it depends on where you are in the process and i would say for me i'm in the process of yeah i've caught it and now i'm going to use the resources that i have to unlearn it
0: i'm curious so is it like someone who helped you see this about yourself
1: um in a way, yes. I think I think also in these types of situations, people need to be affirmed of their emotions. And right. so sometimes you may know that there's something going on or you may know that you're reacting in this a certain way about a situation, but if other people don't affirm or qualify that or like make sure that okay, yes, that is true that is what's happening you have a very difficult time actually getting the help that you need to unlearn these things so for me what was happening was i finally received that affirmation that i needed Mm -hmm. um so like my mom actually this is this is very recently Mm i had talked to you about this about realizing that i have some abandonment issues that um i have really just like put in a box and thrown away and put to the side and having and though that issue has been impacting my relationships ever since but I never really thought about it that way never thought that that was what was going on but I had actually shared it with my mom who I talked to and I'm open with but for a really long time she she made it seem like no we didn't abandon you what other people are saying is not true whatever whatever so for me as a child I was like, okay, well, my mom's right. I wasn't abandoned. So these feelings of abandonment, they just, I don't know why they're here. They don't, that doesn't make sense. But as a kid, that's how I felt. So my emotions at the time and how I was feeling were just disregarded at the time. But I didn't know, you know? So I grew up with that just sifting and growing in me and then impacting everybody around me unknowingly. Until just recently when I shared with my mom that I'm actually going into therapy, she was like, you know... I know that I played a part in why you feel the way that you feel. And so I was like, it just there, I was like, so it's not in my head. Like, it's not just something that I created to make sense of why I am the way that I am, but it's actually real. And so going back to people affirming how you feel for you to be able to, you know, again, get to that step of like unlearning these, you know, negative responses or how you deal with conflict in your relationships, all that kind of stuff, yeah. I think heavily is when people tell you how you feel is real. And oftentimes you hear that when you go to therapy. yeah, Because your therapist will be like, it's valid. And, you know, yeah, that's enough. But some people you want to hear the, not necessarily the root of your issue, yeah. but like, it's like people whose parents, you know, your maybe your dad left or your mom left. Yeah. And then there's the moment when they tell you that what I did was wrong. Mm-hmm. Like, that's all these, these kids are searching for is for you to recognize that yeah. what you did. Validation. Yeah, exactly. I don't know why that was so hard to think about that <laughs> word. <laughs> but yes, You're to green. be validated. You know, affirmed is a good word, but validation, yeah. yes, yeah. is definitely what I think in my experience that I just shared. Is what really has made me know and realize that, hey, like, let's get to work. Because for a long time, you just avoid it.
0: And then you feel like you can't trust yourself because your feelings are telling you one thing, but the people around you are saying, no. No. You can't feel that way. No. Especially after all I've done for you. You know what I mean? Yes. And so you're like, okay, because my feelings are wrong and they're not going away there's something wrong with me, Mm I am broken, or, and then I I feel like when people don't find validation, they can't trust themselves anymore, Mm -hmm. because then you can't, you, then you really can't separate, separate, like, reality from, like, fiction in your mind, you know, Mm -hmm. so, and I think that may, and I think that's also the space I've been in for a long time, and it's like, because you're not finding that validation and because you can't trust yourself you end up being that person who someone hurts you and you're saying sorry Mm -hmm. you know what I mean yeah you feel like you've done something wrong yeah or any kind of person can say that was offensive and you're gonna be like wow why did I say that and it's like maybe it wasn't maybe that is how they feel and that's okay but Mm -hmm. it doesn't you know what I mean it just like adds to um lack of self-trust Anyway, so aha, you said so much and it's so beautiful. And I'm um, okay, that's really awesome. So <laughs> I, I was reading or rather listening to this audiobook. It's called um, Attached. I, I don't know if you heard about that.
1: Uh uh-uh. uh. By it, who?
0: I, I never remember the author, which is probably really terrible. I never,
1: wow, <laughs> you don't want to plug people, you want to keep it
0: to yourself. I see. Stop. Um, but anyway, so it's about like attachment styles. I don't know if you're familiar with attachment styles.
1: Is that like the stuff that when you're a kid?
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So like, um, that's all I know. That part when
1: you're a kid and stops right there. Just when you're a kid. <laughs> yes, when you're
0: just, just when you when a kid. you're a kid. And uh, the nice. rest I don't know. That's like fifty percent of it. So You're basically <laughs> an expert now. Um, but when you're a kid, <laughs> so the three main attachment. Well, technically are probably more, and some of them I think like are interwoven. Mm-hmm. But the main ones are secure attachment style. Avoidant attachment style, anxious attachment style, and then the fourth one is anxious avoidant. Mm. So secure is um, your you feel you're able to affirm each other's needs. Not always give each other's needs. Sometimes you can't. Sometimes maybe you're exhausted or whatever it is. But you're able to say this is you're able to like um, be assertive about how you feel. But you're also able to receive how other people are feeling. Mm-hmm. So now um, an anxious person is a person who they're unsure and because they're unsure like I think this is the type of people that are often called like clingy because what they're looking for is that validation like do you still love me do you still want me am I still good enough for you you still see me but. People, if you're not with the right person, that you can be seen as someone who is demanding. Mm-hmm. And then there is avoidant, and this is a person who doesn't want any form of like intimacy with people. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's easy for them to like cut people off because they're not emotionally attached. But I think even that not being emotionally attached is really just suppressed wants and needs. If like you don't, for whatever reason, you don't feel like Confident or safe enough to say what you want and so you just shut down your you just don't allow yourself to get too close to people and then um, Why am I bringing this up? There's something (laughs) interesting that um, I was learning so there's something called protest behavior Mm -hmm. Which is how we say what we want without saying what we want So like remember like how I mentioned like when I was a kid I used to sulk a lot Mm -hmm. So that's my way of saying hey I need someone to affirm my needs but it's not effective because you're pushing people away when your protest behavior is, like, off-putting, you know? Mm -hmm. And so for anxious people, they're saying some of their protest behavior is, like, they can really go over the top. You know, like, people who, they get hurt, and they really just take it the extra mile, and it's like, really? Really, though? Like... (laughs) A.K.A. me. (laughs) (laughs) I haven't seen that side of you, but... um... It's there. No, but we're healing, you know, healing process. 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 Yeah, process, Process. keyword process. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But yeah, so, and it's something interesting they said is for an anxious person, if they don't get validated, they actually get louder. And it's not always louder vocally, but they just like take it to the next level. And so I'm Hmm. like, I think about like hurt people who like they become even more aggressive, like the more you're denying how they feel or the more you're not taking it seriously so this is all just to go back to like the importance of validation like there's some people who will shut down when you don't listen to their needs and then there's some who get louder and more aggressive but it's really basically just like out of fear and insecurity you know like just wanting that part of you to be seen understood and validated yeah um so yeah that was all just to say that Um, it kind
1: of reminds me of like, you know, how I think a lot of tv shows like children's shows do the whole the bully bullies the kid you know and the smaller kid or whatever and then then we find out that the bully themselves are dealing with their own issues at home yeah and so it's kind of like that you know very cliche of hurt people hurt people but it's really true you know like and in that way when you talk about getting louder that's also a form of being loud to yeah because if you're bullying somebody especially come from a teacher that's the type of mentality that i get into is like i don't automatically assume that somebody is just bad right you know i don't just assume that you're hurting this person because that's genuinely what you want that's the first that's not my first thought at least my first thought is What's going on? Like why are we reacting this way? Why is because this is a reaction. Yeah. You're not this is not something that just came out of nowhere. You're reacting to something. Maybe you're reacting to being, you know, you know, not seen at home or yeah. or you're you're trying to overcompensate for something. It's yeah. just always constantly a reaction. Yeah. And what happens with a lot of like at least talking about students and kids, mm-hmm. is that they're just seen as automatically written off and put aside and just they're just this and da da da, and then they end up growing up with those diff those different, um, you know, where they continue to hurt other people in yeah, their in their yeah, lives. Yeah. It's just con- it's just a cycle of hurt.
0: High school never ends.
1: <laughs> Honestly, it's just like that is duplicated throughout their whole entire life. Yeah
0: okay i'm man you just see how it's flowing and all just tying in together. <laughs> so my question is how do you create psychological safety one for the bully and two for the one being bullied and i just wanted to like bring in a different angle mm-hmm. so you have siblings yes and i'm sure you've disagreed with them at some point definitely have you ever like so i have a I have a, i have three sisters i remember like growing up my older sister and i used to fight a lot mm-hmm. and like there were times when i'm like I'm gonna tell mom so you know how you go with confidence like wait till you see wait till, till, wait till mom hears <laughs> <laughs> i don't know if that's ever happened to you like you go with confidence like she's gonna take my side you're gonna see right and then you go to your mom and your mom is like sorry tell her sorry and then that's the end of it and it's like wait no no right punishment justice (laughs) justice yes (laughs) now (laughs) so but you're bringing in an angle of actually compassion for the bully or i don't know if the word is empathy for the bully as well so miss g There are two kids. One is being bullied and one is a bully. How would you go about that? What do you think is, like, a healthy and effective way of going about that?
1: So, um, in most schools, at least in the Kalamazoo public schools, in the schools that I've been in, they have restorative, they practice restorative justice. They try to restore the child back within the classroom after an incident happens the whole idea is to have them talk about what the issue was what happened and all that stuff now i've never been in a classroom in a restorative justice classroom so i don't actually know there is process and everything but for me as an individual if i had a situation like that my first thought is also to come with that empathy and probably put these two aside and have a conversation with them because instead of looking at one just as a bully, you're, again, removing their identity as just a kid. Like, you know, you're you're forgetting that this is still a kid. Yeah. A kid who is going through the adolescent process right now. They're developing. This is not a developed child, yeah. you know? Regardless of what life has brought them in and whatever they've experienced, yeah. yes, the maturity is, you know, somewhere there, but it has become so fast-paced at such a small time. They don't know how to maintain, they don't know how to they don't know how to talk through it. They don't know how to do anything. So the first thing is you you come to them as who they are in that moment, which is a kid. And when you have kids, you have to talk to them in a way that one validates them because we go back to validation. Like you know you have to tell them, especially if it's the bully, you know like I hear you and I see you and I saw what you did. And now I want to know why you did it where it came from and if you notice the outcome of your behavior and what you want to do next time. Mm-hmm. And then for the kid, you uh, the one who's getting bullied, again, I see you. I see how this has hurt you and I we're going to make something happen rather than just like, you know, I see you. Yeah, yeah, people are mean. Whatever, move on. But actually be like, you know, like this is not right. You people yeah. should not treat people like this. Yeah. But this person did. Yeah. And so we want to also understand why that person did. doesn't remove the fact that what they did was wrong. Mm -hmm. Because I think sometimes people will interpret that as, oh, well, you're just like letting the bully go off. No, you're trying to teach kids how to empathize with each other because they're going to grow up and they're going to be in society and they're going to be with other grownups and adults. And they need to learn how to be able to get in a situation where if conflict does happen, your first thought is to try at least I know. Again, it's the put yourself in their shoes, but not necessarily put yourself in them sh- their shoes, mm-hmm. but try to just understand them, just for a split second, because that could change a lot. Because thinking back, actually, another podcast that I listened to, we were they were talking about how, um, as human beings, we our first reaction to anything is emotional. Mm-hmm. We don't think. Mm-hmm when we we have we always have to be reminded to think Mm. so like if i were to walk over to you and just punch you in the face right now you're not gonna be like oh i wonder why she just punched me in the face i wonder if her punching me in the face has to do with something that happened no we don't you're hurt immediately that's your emotional response is i'm hurt and you have hurt me Mm. and so like but imagine, you know, yes, we validate that. But after that second, like, mm-hmm. yo, why did you do that? And if I'm not, you know, in the same space where I can actually verbalize what I ta- I say and tell you how I feel, mm-hmm. then that, again, is something that, you know, you have to unlearn and teach mm-hmm. and that kind of stuff. Um, But, again, stuff like this from a teacher's point of view mm-hmm. is, like, parents play a huge role too yeah. cuz kids emulate or not emulate but they they yeah yeah emulate. yeah yeah they model what they see yeah. so if, if they're at home and the way that people deal with conflict at home is yeah. aggressive physical yeah. you know verbally abusive that's how they're going to respond to other people especially in a classroom
0: well,
1: so again it's a lot of unlearning yeah especially now in schools
0: yeah
1: parents rarely are really there for their kids emotionally, and they put all of that on the teacher. It's like teach my kid how to learn how to write in English and all that fun stuff, but also teach my kid how to be a good uh, human being. And then you're like, what do you do at home, parent? <laughs> and
0: then when you over interfere, now they're on your. Then they're
1: like, why did you do that? And I'm yeah. like, you did it someone yeah. had to someone had to step in yeah.
0: do you believe justice exists
1: justice exists yeah in just an arbitrary way sure in general it's such as arbitrary Yeah. no oh do tell um okay so let's for example you talked about cancel culture in the beginning yeah um, that's a good example, at least to me, where I see that justice doesn't exist mm. Because to me when I think about justice is that you know, people serve their time, people also get an, the uh, the opportunity to reflect. and then people come out of that yeah. new and ready to, you know, re-accul- re-accul-
0: reaclimate
1: Re-acclimate right? themselves. Yes, I think so. Maybe I made that up. But it's okay. It's a word. (laughs) It's a word somewhere. But they come back into whatever. So, for example, cancel culture, like when, you know, Trevor Noah was talking about it, the whole jail thing. I think that's a great idea when it comes to cancel culture. Like, someone needs to tell us, how long are you canceled for? You know, why were you canceled? Who's in charge of telling us this stuff? Because you have no idea how many times people have been canceled. And I thought, oh, yeah, we're canceling so-and-so. And then, like, a week later, they're not canceled anymore. And to me, it's not because they're not canceled anymore because they were able to, like, come back from what they did. It's just people just decided not to cancel them anymore. So in that process of being canceled,
0: what actually happened? Like you are saying, was there actually any justice? Because they may or may not have reflected. They may have, like, caused more hearts than they, you know, experienced by being canceled for a week.
1: Right. And then there's the opposite of people who have been canceled for God knows how long, and they are constantly working to, you know, like come back from whatever they were canceled for.
0: That's enough,
1: right? It's, and then they're yeah. never they they never come back. Yeah. But then yeah. there's people who never do the work, never uh, yeah. apologize or whatever they needed to do. They never do that, but instantly uncancelled. Yeah. And I don't know if it's because people right now have a short attention span yeah. or because they're like. Um, yeah, I love this music, and I yeah. care about the like people. Like for example, <laughs> whoever's listening to this, don't hate me. But like Chris Brown, he has had multiple allegations against him for domestic okay. violence. Really? Yes. I thought it
0: was only Rihanna.
1: Not just Rihanna, yeah, multiple. But nobody wants to cancel him because he's such a great singer, and he's such a great dancer, yeah. and he's such a great performer so is that justice for those women that were domestically abused now I'm not the the, the cancel culture person to come here and say who should
0: and who shouldn't but that's a, an example <laughs> that's a you know so let me ask you are you saying that if it was only Rihanna that he had um, physically abused and he didn't do that again would you then say it's According to you, do you think it would make more sense? It would make more sense to me, yes. After how long? After how long do you think is enough time that we can listen to his music again?
1: Well, because at the end of the day, you know, like, especially with the Rihanna situation, they've moved on past that. But there's other people, right? You know, like, now they've moved past. She forgave him. She was also beating him. So it was like, whatever. Yeah, okay, cool. We can move on. We can move past. Because at the end of the day, the apology that needs to be accepted is from her.
0: That's a good angle. So are you then saying it's not the crime, it's whether the person who the crime was committed against is...
1: But see, then that gets tricky because what if that person like accepts the apology but everybody else is like, no, you shouldn't have. (laughs) (laughs) You know? (laughs) So then it gets really... (laughs) See, that's why when when, when I say justice is not... It's just so... It's yeah. It's so murky yeah. when we talk about it in like a generalized form. Like even if we talk about it in like how it comes from, which is like you know jail or going yeah. to jail and stuff like that. Justice and it's there's so many people who have yeah. been wrongly convicted also and true. you know spent time in jail for crimes they never you know they never did.
0: Yeah, yeah. yeah.
1: And so is that justice or people who go to jail for a little bit? after doing something heinous but because of their you know because they know people you know they know who (laughs) they know the the da they know all this stuff (laughs) they get to get out scot-free and then they don't have a you see there's just so many underlying layers to it and then let's not even bring up racism let's not even bring up how the system is already flawed in itself like there's Mm. just and it's funny because people always think that that stuff doesn't translate into other parts of yeah. society. But it does. It's a mirrored in yeah. everything that is there. If there's no justice in the criminal justice system, there's not going to be justice anywhere else. Right,
0: right. Because we depend on it. Yeah. So, let me ask you a question. I'm, I'm curious. Um, I'll give an example. Okay. So, and I think that's the tricky part because... In talking about psychological safety, even for people who make mistakes, right?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, there is this—he's uh, a—he. I don't know if he still is now, but he was a Kenyan radio presenter, um, and on he's—he'd been, been doing that for like I think close to twenty years or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, just like very upbeat personality, social person, um, has like kids and all of that. I don't think he's married though. But um one day and I think it's this stuff like conversations like this sometimes can be common Or like uh, let me not say that before I might I myself get cancelled here <laughs> before I've started. <laughs> I'm dead. Don't cancel her. But don't cancel me. Uh but um on a radio show mm-hmm. uh there was this story about like a woman who met a man on Facebook and then she went to his house so that they can have dinner. But he wanted like Things she wanted more from her than she was willing to give, essentially, and because she said no, he threw her off the balcony. Oh! And I think she lost her ability to walk after that, although she survived. And so, like, I don't know if it was like I don't know how long after. And according to his story, like they touched on that a few different times, but on this specific episode, it came up again. And but he was not the radio presenter; he's talking about it from the angle of women are too available and he uses her as an example yeah wow yeah okay he's like you see you make yourself so available and then stuff like that happens which i have a lot to say about that but i I personally my belief is that the only person who made you do anything is you who made that choice so you can say, um, she's still available, therefore I right threw her off a balcony. That, that, like, there's no logic. There's, that makes no, there's no sense. <laughs> there's no connection there. What? Yeah, like, what we do is our choice, and that's who we are. It's right. not other people. Like, even if someone's aggressive, you have the choice to walk away, and that says more about you. you know? Yes, you're right. Um, So, anyway, um, Kenyans on Twitter, apparently, so they call it K.O.T., but apparently Kenyans on Twitter, so apparently... I'm <laughs> <laughs> Apparently, like, K.O.T. is wild. Like, it's wild out there. Um, I think almost worse than, like, U.S. Twitter. Really? So, he... People complained. He basically was suspended from the radio station. People complained even more. They're like, all he gets is a suspension. And he, like, gave, like, a public apology in writing, put it on his Instagram, blah, blah, blah. Then he... A week later... They say he was, um, he was fired Mm -hmm. from that radio station. After that, maybe, I don't know, two, three weeks later, again, this is a man with kids and that's, he'd been working for that company for close to 20 years. Um, But people complained, they said this is against the company's policies. How can you have someone like this reflecting them, blah, 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 blah. Um, So then he gets interviewed on like a different um, TV network in Kenya. Mm-hmm. So he had like two different interviews. One of them, I shall not comment, but I think she was trying to get out of him what people wanted to hear. Mm-hmm. So he wasn't really. It wasn't like a conversation, if that's how I can say. It was more like, "But did you see what you did?" But did you see? kind of kind mm-hmm. of approach to it? And then the second one was interesting because we got to like hear more about his life and him growing up. I think correct me if I'm wrong, whoever is listening, um, but he grew up, I think, I don't know if it was like the slums, but just like basically poor. Mm -hmm. So um, in spaces like that, and I've noticed it, I don't know, again, I don't want to like um, create a blanket statement, but I know right now there's a gap between um, women's rights or just human rights in general Mm -hmm. and like people who've grown up in survival spaces. Right. Because number one, they're like especially someone like that who's come from that space and it become so like economically successful, there are aspects you didn't learn about, mm-hmm. you know, in that environment about like what's okay, what's not okay.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So um, on this, the second interview, which I liked because it gave a different approach, although I wasn't, I didn't feel satisfied because at the end of the day, his conclusion was more or less, um, I should have been careful about what I said, but he didn't quite grasp That his messaging is, because he never ever said anything against that man, which I found interesting. Mm. His focus was she was to like that. It's funny that that's all he got from that. Just to be more careful, not to understand that you can't do this to people and it's not okay. And women should Mm. feel safe. Not even women. Everyone in general, you should feel safe enough to say no. You know, and there's no they shouldn't. That that whole thing didn't even make sense. Um, But anyway. At the end of it all, as much as I didn't agree with, um, what he was saying, he said, I wish someone would just come and tell me what I've, have a conversation with me about where I went wrong. And I think I'm realizing like a lot of people don't understand, especially like men, they don't understand for whatever reason they haven't learned about consent or what consent looks like. Mm -hmm. And so I think that for me opened up my mind to what is justice because he is saying I, I I see I've gone wrong, but I don't know sometimes people don't know what they don't know, so like which made me see cancel culture differently mm-hmm. because canceling him and getting him fired is not the solution. there's mm-hmm. still men out there who don't understand mm-hmm. like you know so what are your thoughts on reconciliation like in that in that scenario, what would you say is justice and what do you think about his idea of can we actually talk about it instead of just canceling me can you just like help me understand things from your point of view yeah
1: i think us um i think that that's the part that's missing when it comes to cancel culture is reconciliation because the whole idea is are we just going to ostracize and put people aside yeah. always any time they do something wrong i'm not a perfect human being yeah. i am very i'm very capable of saying things or doing things that are you know that could be seen as offensive or wrong by a particular group and so is it okay for you to just you know cast me aside and then categorize me and label me and just put me right and never give me an opportunity yeah. to be able to be reconciled back into society and again when i talked about how you know our justice system is again still emulated in whatever we do in society Mm -hmm. that's a perfect example Mm -hmm. especially in america Mm -hmm. people don't go to jail so that they can come back and be able to be in society again you go to jail because that's your sentence so whatever happens there you still come back and you're still a felon You still come back and you can't get a job. You still come back and you can't be able to vote. You can't be able to, you know, be able to uh, come back into society. You can't reconcile when it comes to something like that. And that's the same thing that happens with cancel culture, is that there there is no middle part where people want to give people that conversation. Yeah. Or give them the help or give them the resources or talk to them about, you know, what you said was not right. And this is why. Yeah. Why did you say that? And why do you yeah. think that way? So yeah. that we can also have an opportunity to understand your thought process. Yeah. Because, like, you brought up his, his growing up and, you know, where he grew up with his family and what he was possibly, you know, exposed to. Maybe that is just something that has been... The continuous conversation that he's been around Mm. and so that's normalized to him so he doesn't necessarily understand that it's out of place or it's different but that's just what's normal and so now you now people just can immediately cancel him and all that kind of stuff i get the whole suspension stuff but i feel like him even wanting to have a conversation that in itself is so much different than a lot of people who are like well that's just how i think or that because there are a lot of people who will just be like, that's just how I think, that's just how it is. Yeah. But if you are someone who is willing to be like, I want to have a conversation. I want to understand why what I said yeah. was taken this way because I genuinely don't get yeah. it. Yeah, yeah. And I want to change that or at least have a, a better perspective on it too. Yeah. So that's that's how I feel about that. Yeah. There's yeah. no reconciliation when it comes to things like, you know cancel culture and then that in itself voids people of the opportunity to be in a psychologically safe space because you're constantly on edge because you think that if i say this people are going to cancel me if i say this people are going to do this if i say this whatever and kind of like how i was talking earlier about you know the whole podcast situation Mm. it doesn't matter at the end of the day, people are going to say what they want to say, but it's all about what happens
0: after the fact. What happens after that? Well, no, I completely agree with that reconciliation aspect missing. And I think, to be honest, a lot of people who are hurt don't actually want reconciliation. Mm -hmm. I think they want vengeance or quote-unquote justice. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think that's also a moment of checking our own hearts. And And I think it's so hard because... This year, Okay, so I don't know how it is with you. But for me, like in my relationship with God, when something is brought to light, I just know there's going to be an opportunity to grow in that area. So like I knew like God was taking me into a space of learning about conflicts And I was like, dang it. I just know there's going to be a situation for me to apply, you know. Yeah. Lo and behold, that's like just what's been happening in the past maybe six, seven months, you mm-hmm. know. And it's... I think that's a part I had to like check myself on and I don't know I don't know what scripture it is but it says like the goal like um, God's goal is like unity in the spirit through peace with one another Mm -hmm. but I think a lot of us don't want peace with one another and I'm thinking and I see it also happening in the church for example is um, people are quick to say I don't like this church it's too this it's too that but we don't have the goal of unity in mind. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And I think that's where we're falling short. And I think it's such a humbling thing. Like going back to my example of like, you know, running to your mom as a kid and it's like, no, one justice. Yeah. At least two weeks of, of grounding or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> but that sometimes doesn't, that doesn't happen. Mm-hmm. And usually the goal itself isn't um, reconciliation. But I think something I have learned is, I don't know if you've heard the quote that we want, um, justice for others but mercy for ourselves Mm, so it's like what happens now because me as veronica i am 100 percent sure there's someone right now they're like i hate her i hate her like there's probably someone i've hurt and i had no idea i hurt them Mm. you know what i mean and it's like what if they on that end are like i want justice for what she did then i would be like god forgive me i didn't mean to but Mm -hmm. then other people wrong us There's, there's no you know how you're saying um even with bullies like it's not seeing him or her as a bad person yeah it's identifying this has come from somewhere let's let's bring that to light let's examine that and do something about that but I think it's easy to say this person has done a terrible thing therefore they are terrible people Mm -hmm. but we don't see ourselves that way we see ourselves as growing people as Mm -hmm. learning people as humans we just make mistakes is how we say it um but yeah so for you what you (laughs) for you what do you believe is a space that is conducive for psychological safety
1: a space that is conducive for
0: psychological safety and do you think that's the same for everyone okay let's start with in what spaces do you feel like you have psychological safety and what do you think makes it that way
1: honestly cuz yeah, that's a very interesting question. I think right now I wouldn't I can't think of any place.
0: Or a person, rather. It can be a person, it can be, yeah. Or if it's not there.
1: Yeah, I don't think it's 100% there. Um I think like like I'd mentioned before, like for me, I am I'm very selective with what I share with people. So when it goes, when it, it comes to like, you know, that type of space, it really, it depends. I don't have all of that in one place. There's just like people who I'm safe talking about this or people I'm yeah. safe talking about this or people I'm safe yeah. talking about this. There's yeah. not one major place where everything can be open and honest, except when I'm with God. That's the only place yeah. where I feel like, you know... Even though it's me pleading and praying, like, please give me, you know, benefit of doubt, please forgive me, please. You know, the mercy aspect that you were talking about is when I'm with God. And I don't know if it's because, because I hadn't been able to find that in other people. I leaned a lot on my relationship with God with that. Um, which I think is important and helpful, but then it made it harder for me to be able to be in community with people yeah. Which God also asks us to be in yeah. not to say that. Oh No, God is all you need God is all I need, but I also need people
0: Yeah, what do you think makes it that way that you do you think it's possible to have psychological safety with people? Or do you as you're saying I, th- I also don't think there's anything wrong. I think it's just part of wisdom to say I can talk about this stuff to these people, these ones I can't. And not to say that they're not trustworthy, just to say sometimes people don't have the background understanding of that. Or maybe you just don't feel comfortable, maybe you don't connect to that level. And I think that makes total sense. Mm-hmm. Do you think it's possible to have psychologically safe spaces? Or
1: I think it's definitely possible. Um, again, every individual is different and everybody... Um, Copes with things differently, and so there's people who are overshares who love to share information and they love people knowing about them, and then there's people who are a little bit reserved, and then there's people who are like me who are a little bit of both. Okay. Um, and I think it it really just depends on the person. Yeah. You can you can find that psychological safety, but I think it gets harder the older you get. Ooh. Definitely. Wow. Um. Because already, the older you get, your your close circle becomes smaller yeah. and smaller. People, either the people like I don't know how many people I had friends when I was in high school or middle school who I don't even talk to anymore. Yeah, people at that time I was like, this is my really close friend. Yeah. We did all this together. Yeah, but now, it's like, you know, I only have when I. Oh, cause also even your definition of friendship changes too. Like, yeah it's not now people you know yeah. but it's people who know you right so like how many people actually know you yeah and you know yeah um so I think it's really hard when you get older to find that psychological safety which I think a lot of people then lean into relationships like you know relationships with their significant other right. and then
0: that becomes that space for them
1: yeah
0: so what elements then would you say make a space like psychologically secure for you? That's going to turn into another cliche word. <laughs> space.
1: Psychological space. Psychological space. Is that your psychological space? Safe space, yeah. Is it a safe space? There you go, safe space. It's just, uh, yeah,
0: you just overdo things.
1: I think it goes back to how you were ta- describing it in the beginning yeah. is You know, like asking yourself, is this somebody that I can be vulnerable with 100% myself, the good and the bad? Is this somebody who I know whatever I say, they will give me the benefit of doubt? Is this somebody who I know will give me the grace that I feel like I I need at this point? Is this person going to be able to do that for me? Um, And is their response going to be in the betterment of me as a whole yeah. you know like is how they respond going to be because they could respond in a way that you don't necessarily need yeah. so like sometimes when people are like I need tough love for a certain situation yeah. like if you think back to that was that the response that you needed
0: yeah and that change I mean that um, need can change too mm-hmm. in like, the times I want tough love there are times I'm just like do you see where I'm coming from? Like, just tell me, do mm-hmm. you understand where I'm coming? Like, don't even give me advice. I know, I know what the Bible says. I'm just saying, do you right. see where I'm coming from? <laughs> I know. And you know, as a
1: person, like me as an individual, I have yes. to learn yes. how to stop giving advice. Because, and asking people, what do you need for me in this moment? Because sometimes we just jump the gun and we start telling them all these, like, Bible verses and blah, blah, blah. Like, like you said, like, as if I don't know. Like, I know those Bible verses. All I want for you right now is either to just listen to me or see where I'm coming from. So that at least I get some sense of validation for my emotions at the time.
0: Yeah.
1: And that's not a bad thing. I think people find it like a bad thing because they're like, well, if you come to me, it's like sometimes I'm not coming to you for help.
0: Yeah, I'm yeah, just yeah. coming to you because you're my yeah, my safe space. And honestly, I think sometimes help can just be doing something fun. Mm-hmm. Sometimes you don't want to think about what what's heavy for you sometimes you just want someone to like not judge like i think that's something i that's why i used to struggle sharing with people mm-hmm. is because then you get this oh i'll I'll be praying for you you know and it's like don't feel bad for me just because i'm going through something doesn't mean i'm weak i'm just going through something you know? yeah and it's like wanting to as going back to the whole idea of i don't want what i'm going through to change how you see me even i don't want pity and i don't want you to see me as a bad person like just, like, see me, you know? Yeah. Um, but I do like what you're saying about, number one, being able to say what you need from the person. Mm-hmm. And I think for the other person, that means being willing to listen, to understand, and give people what they need. And not try to give what you think they need. Mm. Yeah, yeah. That
1: yeah. reminds me of, like, the love languages. Because I was actually oh. listening about that today, yeah. too. Yeah. Because... Um, I realized that in in a relationship that I had, you tell people what you need, but because people are so hung up on what they they can do, yeah. they won't do what you need. Yeah. Like, for example, if I'm somebody who is just using the love language as example, like let's mm-hmm. say in our safe space, I'm someone who is, who likes gifts, mm-hmm. but you're somebody who likes quality time. Yeah. And I just keep giving you gifts and giving you gifts because that's mm-hmm. my love language and that's what I know what to do and that's not yeah. how I know how to accept. But I'm not taking in any consideration that all you want is time. Yeah. That in itself then pushes that other person away Dang. and then just kind of may- makes their relationship a one-way street because it's like, I'm telling you what I want. Yeah. And you're deli- because you say, well, in the relationship that I had, it was like, well, I that's just not how I do things. Well, that's just not how I do it. But like, okay, but what I need from you right. is for you to give right. me this, Yeah, you yeah. know? Yeah. And that's not a bad thing, Yeah, you know? So do you think a part of that is ego? Definitely. I think it's ego and I think it's the lack of... It's the lack of wanting to do anything besides what you know. So like, I think... With that person, I think it was more of, well, I don't, I just, I don't know. I don't, I don't want to, or lack of, uh, getting uncomfortable. That's out of my comfort zone. Mm -hmm. I don't know how to spend time with you. So, um, I'm just going to give you gifts because
0: that's what I know what to do.
1: That's what I'm comfortable Um, with. Yeah. But it's like.
0: or Like, I'm not touchy or I'm not, I'm not, I don't like talking about my feelings.
1: Yes. Yeah
0: i feel like we've covered a lot uh, thank you again for just like being so open and willing to like talk about things i really enjoyed this conversation So um, and i feel like it needs like a part two <laughs> we need to like we need to get bethel in on this too. part two <laughs> yes um yeah do you have like any parting thoughts or yeah
1: um thank you for having me it was it was a really good conversation yeah I think it was nice to talk about and to just have a conversation about a lot of things that are different, you know, going from justice to cancel culture to all coming back to the idea of a safe space or the psychological security. Safety? safety. We, yeah. I'm like we've talked about this the yeah. whole time and then at the end I forget what it's called. Psychological safety. Yes. 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 I think how that's it was it's awesome.
0: Thank you. Yay. It's so good to have you on the show.